Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now here's your host, DJ Payne. Ahoy and welcome to episode six of Thrive Deeper. This is it, the final episode on the book of Ezekiel. Matt and I conclude our study in Ezekiel, and or at least for now, and I love this episode. We go all over the place. We start off with your questions. We get into the question about why God doesn't do things for our sake, but for the sake of His holy name. What does that actually mean? We also touch on forgiveness and the ramifications of that in the book of Ezekiel. But we start off this conversation in something that literally, if you found Matt and I walking or talking together or enjoying time together, it's the type of thing you'd probably find us talking about. We get totally sidetracked on Bible translations. What translation is the best to use when and why? So after this break, we're going to jump right into that conversation. I'll be back at the end as per usual to let you know how you can connect and what's coming up next on Thrive Deeper. One of the general questions that we've got, this is a really big picture, not not um, uh, not specific to Ezekiel, but question about translations. Mm. Like if we're going to read, and it'd be interesting, I'd love to know what you do as well. What do we do as far as, do you use different translations for study, for general reading, mm. for family, mm. for reading out loud? Mm. What do you think? Yeah, this is. I know this is a hairy one. No, it's a good one though because uh, choosing the right translation, I think, is important uh, for people. Yeah. And uh, Thrive is all about engaging people with with the Bible. Yeah. And choosing, you know, the best translation um, is, you know, is an important thing. Now, translations work on a scale, if you can imagine. Um, now, uh, th- there there are choices that a translator makes when translating an ancient text that is far removed from our kind of Id- English idiom, okay. you know, s- so to speak. So, um, and of course, the Bible is originally written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Now, the scale goes from, on one end of the scale, you've got a, a more thought-for-thought thing. You know what I mean? Okay. So, so um, uh, like, like that's not so much a translation, but more of a... Well, well, it's it's a little bit more on the paraphrase end. Okay, so on that end, you'd have something like the message. Uh, no, the, well, we're talking translations here. Okay, actually. so that's not even a translation. No, that's not a translation at all. Okay. He's actually he's actually taken the the ideas and just completely re re stating them restated or? them. Yeah, okay, in, in in his in his own words. So you wouldn't even call what no. what do you call that efficiently? Uh, efficiently. That th- that is actually a a paraphrase. Okay, yeah. So, so that's not on the spectrum of no, translations. No, that's not even on the spectrum of, so, of translations. No. If we slipped it on the spectrum, would you put it way up one end or it's not even on there? You're saying um, don't even put it on there. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 look, I think it's great. I think the message is great yeah. and it's, you know, it's a lot of people love it. Um, but call me conservative. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I like I, it. Call me conservative. But, um, you know, the, the Bible is God's word. Yes, and and it's the Bible in the original Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, mm-hmm. um, and um, I think um, we, we need to call a translation a translation, and there's certain boundaries mm-hmm. that um, that qualify something as a translation. Yes, and it means that it's basically not just communicating the general idea. Yes, um, but actually. Tra- you know, translating the words that that are translating what is being said. I love it. Okay, love it. Yep. So, um, so I I would not, and a lot of people I think make the mistake of calling the message a translation. It's not. It's not. So the, the people will say, well, the message translations is no. It's not a translation actually. Yeah. And even Eugene Peterson yeah. uh, himself would not would not say this. He would say this is a paraphrase yeah. of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, which is a pretty bold thing to do. 
Yeah, it is a bold for, thing on Eugene's part. That's right. It's like, but think of it like a commentary. Yes. Yeah. It's it's like an explanatory. It's it's an explanatory yeah. um, paraphrase yeah. of of what the Bible is doing. Now now the. The, the translation that is right up that end that still just qualifies the translation yeah, yeah. would be um, the uh, the New Living Translation. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. And uh, so, so you notice they've even called it a translation yes. to separate yeah. it away from paraphrases. So, okay. so they, they are saying, no, we, we want to do a translation here, but we want to do it as dynamically as possible. Okay. But still being a translation, and and the get, break down that concept of dynamic for me is it dynamic yeah. to the culture, to the language, to the English speakers? Yeah. Well, so when we speak of di- a dynamic translation, we we mean we mean something that captures the the uh, the original ideas of of the of the phraseology, mm. um, but uh, doesn't necessarily stick literally to the to the sentence. So let me give you an example. Right. I think will, will help. There is a, 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 a statement um, that's often used in the Psalms uh, and, and other um, parts of Scripture where people com- complain about being mocked, okay? And they say, they shoot out the lip at me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. In the, literally in the yes. Hebrew, they shoot out the lip at me. Yeah, yeah. Now, what, what does that mean? Yeah, it doesn't translate yeah, to our culture. That's right. It, yeah. it, it just doesn't, the, the, the idiom doesn't really translate. So um, now in the, Interestingly, in the King James Version, which is actually up, went for the more literal, tra- yeah. they just translated that outright. Yeah. They shoot out their lip at me. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe I'd have to check that, but I, it's either the King James or one of the other more literal yeah. King, uh, translations that does that. Um, whereas, you know, other translations just say, well, they mock me or they taunt me. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, that's an interpretive, uh, that's an interpretive okay. step. So, so, the, so, so let's let's take a step back. On the, on, you're talking about a scale. On one side of the scale, you've got something that is word for word. The Greek word is here, and the English translation is that. So yeah. we put the English word in that place, yeah. and it's a word for word. That's might right. not might not make sense to us yeah. much in this in this day and age yeah. of English, you know the way that because it's diff, the, the whole language is yeah. different. And then on the other side of the spectrum, heading up to the NLT, the New Living Translation, yeah. you've got what you're saying is a thought more dynamic for thought. Thought, yeah. for thought. That's right. What do we have on that other end of the okay. spectrum? On the, the the King James actually would be yeah. uh, word for word would be more the word for word. Now yeah. it's it's um, it's actually amazing because the King James in itself was actually an incredible literary achievement. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way that they use language to say the same thing, but the actual the, there was room for real a real artfulness in how they put things in in the King James, yeah. uh, and it just reads beautifully in the rhythm and the uh, of the text. Obviously, it's an old English, so that's uh, that's more difficult. But the the new King James, yes. which has put that into more modern English, still captures that that more literal uh, end. Yes. Um, also up that end, you've got the ESV, the, the English, English Standard, Standard Version, version yeah. which is, again, more on the word-for-word uh, word, uh, up that end. Now, right. it's towards that end. You've got translations, actually, that, um, like, for example, there is a literal translation. Um, uh, what is it called? Um, I forget the exact name of it, but it's the, the literal, you know. It's, yeah, the literal translation. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, so you've got that end of the scale. Then you've got up the other other end of the scale, as we've said, is the um, the the New Living Translation. Now the interesting thing with the New Living Translation, I I use this one actually to read to my kids, yeah. um, because it's easier. It's much easier. I it recommend fl- the this. flow is the yeah. flow is fantastic. Yeah. I recommend this one for beginners. The yes. uh, the um, New Living Translation. Uh, the our beginners' Bibles at church are all yeah. New Living Translation yeah. because it it explains uh, it explains things. Um, uh, I could give you a, a, an example actually from the NIV. Take uh, Romans three, that critical uh, section in Romans three, where it says, um, "But now, no, well, hang on, what what translation is this?" So this is I'm I'm going to read. Actually, let me start from the uh, ESV. All right, we'll start from the. Well, here we go. This is a great practical thing. Um, Romans three, what verse? Uh, so I'm going to go verse twenty one. Twenty Romans three twenty one. We'll start at one end of the spectrum, being the ESV. Yep, and then we're going to go to the New Living Translation. So okay. we'll see the difference. Yeah. Okay, so. 
it says here, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Okay. All right. That's the English Standard standard version. version. Very word for word. Okay. But now the New Living Translation. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, there's one, 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 one requires a shovel and the other one requires, yeah. you know, like just, just to yeah. hear. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, you know the, the, the verse that the righteousness of faith through the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe him. It's left as it is in the original text Mm. um, for us to work out what is Mm. being said. Mm. Whereas what the translator does in the new living translation is that he is translated in a way that actually also interprets a little bit. They are making interpretive choices. Okay. Okay. Which is why it's right up that end. Yes. Because, um, there are many places, and I noticed when I was reading, uh, when I've been reading to my kids. It's like, oh, they, they're on this side of the ledger. <laughs> you know, I've yeah. just noticed, oh, gee, they've made an interpretive choice there. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and in some cases, it's not necessarily an interpretive choice that I would agree with. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Because the, the more dynamic you become, the more thought for thought uh, you become, the, you are having to make choices about not only what is it saying, but what does it mean? Yes. You know. Okay, so let's let's go for a very popular, um, probably the most popular translation, yeah. the NIV. Where does that yeah. fall on the scale? The NIV um, is uh, is the most popular one, partly because it falls pretty much right in the middle. Okay, yeah, they have actually done a good job of creating something that is uh, is in the middle. Now, others that are in the middle area yeah. um, would be um, the Holman. Uh, what is it? The Holman. I've got it. Christian here. Standard Bible. Yep. Um, Holman Christian Standard Bible, exactly. Yeah, yep. that, that that would be more in the middle. Yeah. Um, another also, another popular one, American Standard Version. Yeah. The um, the well, I can the the new NASB. Yes. Um, would be up the more literal end of the scale. Oh, okay. Yeah, that okay. would be up the more literal end of the scale. Um, the uh, NRSV. New the, or the revised standard version yes. or the new revised standard version, uh, that would be um, to closer to the centre but towards the more literal okay. uh, end. Then others up the more thought for thought end uh, with the over there with the um, uh, New Living Translation would be the Good News Bible uh, would be. Uh, the CEV Contemporary English version. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so that they would be our other World others. English would be up that in as well. Uh, World English. You know I'm that one. I'm not sure. I'm yeah. not sure where that one. Is. I think that's around that same yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Cool. You can actually and and look, you can jump online and and you can you can find uh, these uh, translations plotted on on a graph. Okay. So you can do, you know do do a bit of uh, looking into it. Now. Um, uh, Another slight difference that's worth mentioning is that um, is the difference between most of those other translations and the New King James and the King James. Um, the the New King James and the King James are based on a an old compilation text. Yes. Now, what I mean by that is this: when it comes to the uh, the original Greek, for example, yes. Um, we don't have the original text that yeah. Matthew and Mark and Actually Paul right. wrote. We don't have the original yeah. text. Yeah. What we do have is thousands of copies of copies, yeah. right? And copies of copies in, in all different directions. Yeah. So actually, because of the amount of copies we have and, and what's known as copious traditions, yes. so imagine a tree and branches of a tree. Yeah. And you can actually trace it back. Yeah, okay, yeah. this guy made a, That's right. a grammatical change here yeah. and that was copied right. off So if you found a manuscript in Egypt mm-hmm. and, and one in Syria, Syria yeah. you know, they're in completely different places. They represent different uh, copious traditions. And... Uh, and you, 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 you know, and, and if they both agree on a reading, then you, you can be almost certain that that was the original. So by following the branches uh, of the tree back, so um, the so most modern translations are based on a compilation Greek text, either put out 
yeah, there's a couple of really good compilation Greek, te- Greek texts. The most popular is put out by the United Bible Societies. Um, so um, the King James and the New King James are based on an older compilation text that was put together by a guy called Erasmus in, in the late uh, 1400s, early 1500s. And, um, and he only had access actually to, um, uh, to, I think about nine Greek texts and all in the one copious tradition. So there are some readings there that, um, are probably, uh, additions in, in some way, you know, maybe, maybe for liturgical purposes or scribal commentary that made their way into the text. So what you'll find when you read, uh, the, NIV or, yeah. or other translations is that you'll actually find that there are verses skipped. Mm, mm. Now, because now, now remember the verses were added much later. Yeah, uh, yeah. verses were added uh, in the 1600s or uh, around the time. I'm not yeah. exactly sure, but but late. Yes. Um, and a lot of people say, "Hang on, there are verses missing," you yeah, know, yeah, from yeah. the from the NIV and these other translations yeah. that are in the original King James. Yes. Which means that that must be, you know, they've taken away from the scriptures. Yeah. Well, no, it's because the King James is based on this very old compilation text that was yes. put together by Erasmus. Yes. It was a bit of a rush job because yeah. he was competing with the Catholics at the time yeah. to put out a compilation text, and uh, that became sort of the. Um, uh, th- that that was the text that actually became known as the Textus Receptus because mm. an early publisher um, uh, to promote this this compilation sort of said this is the received text yeah, you know yeah, yeah. and it sort of had the this, acceptable yeah, one. Yeah, the yeah, acceptable yeah, yeah. one yeah. and so there is so you will find actually there is uh, there are people still to this day yeah. who believe that. The Textus Receptus is like the the inspired compilation text, and it's a very it's a very. I, I encourage people to go down and if you have never looked at the arguments on both sides for them, they're, they're very, it's very interesting and it makes you sit up and go, oh my goodness, this is the way that we've got our Bible. There's different ways, yeah, yeah. you know, and people uh, believe different things about it. Yeah, uh, it's not as cut and dry and black and white as we you know as yeah, we might the, think. Um, the, the the issue of the compilation text is fairly uncontroversial. Um, it's more the superstition around the King James text. I mean, I, I don't think any any I don't think anyone th- in in terms of the in um, modern textual scholarship, scholarship yeah, yeah, in yeah. modern textual scholarship, no one thinks that the Textus Receptus is a more accurate text. Yeah, yeah. because it's it's a fairly mathematical uh, yeah. job. It, yeah. You know, we, we've got five thousand plus full texts available yes. uh, to us, manuscripts, uh, say yeah. taking the New Testament, mm. and. Uh, you know, Erasmus only had about nine available to him, you yeah. know. So yeah. do the maths. Yes. You know, like we just have an abundance of evidence. Yeah. So it's not about who did it or why they did it or, or it's, it's like, no, actually, uh, we, we have, we just have better resources now. It's just the, almost the superstition that, that surrounds the Texas Receptus that leads some people to say, well, that's the only right sort of one, which yeah. is why, which is where you get this King James only um, argument, which is not based on the translation. It's based for those who argue this seriously. It's based on the um, underlying text, and that is, you know, that's seen as a fairly, a, you know, I would say slightly kooky out there. Mm. They're quite an extreme. Uh, position with respect to the text. Now, there are many people that just love the King James, yeah, because it's you know it has such a long history in and and, and I I would be there. I, I mean, yeah. King James, it's, is, it's a beautiful is, language, is a beautiful, beautiful translation. I still sometimes quote scriptures from the King yeah. James because yeah. you know that's what I, you first read. That, that's what I well, it's not what I first read, but it's what in so many um, I don't know in so many. Uh, that I heard get being quoted and, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was educated in the Reformed uh, tradition and the Presbyterian tradition, so um, uh, in my theological education, and they, you know, they love their King, King James, James, you know. And the other thing about the King James is besides take away the, the um, you know, if you can, take away the spiritual aspect of it and look at it at a moment in history yeah. of what it did to culture and history, it changed everything. It is such yeah, an yeah. important work. It is. It is as far as important. the greatest books in the world, it's at the top yeah. of the list because it changed That's right. so many people. And, and, yeah, so I think, it's re- I think it's really important to underscore the fact that actually the differences are minor. Yeah. The, the textual differences between... It's not like, oh, the, you know, there's a completely... There's yeah, there's a whole new book. Yeah, it's, it's not like the Apocrypha's no, yeah, jammed no, in there as well. It's, they're actually quite 
minor. And, and the famous example yeah. is um, uh, um, the end of the Lord's Prayer. For yeah. thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Yeah. Yes. Um, most of these uh, 5,000 Greek texts of yes. all different traditions um, demonstrate that that probably wasn't in the original text. But what's yeah. happened is that um, Greek texts were used for liturgical purposes and they, they wrote things in there yeah. for liturgical reasons. Yeah. And that obviously was added at the end as a sort of Because that's what they did yeah. in church practice. Uh, now, it's great. It's a great statement. Yeah. And it's, it happens to be completely true. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's not, you know, it's not uh, that there's nothing. And, and it's the same with all of the other yeah. slight uh, additions there that have made their way into the text through just, through, you know, because what just over the years through scribal editions up yeah. to the point when the obviously the printing press yeah um kind of uh you know came along so um so that's that's the deal it's i know that's a long uh i know well, this is meant to, to be a question this, this is meant to be a short little question Matt. We, we, we've spent <laughs> most of the episode talking about that okay now let's let's move on from from translation so one last question when it comes to translations You've you've mentioned that you love to use the New Living Translation to read out loud to your children, and it uh, is a, th- yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah and it, and it's a great translation for yeah, reading yeah, out yeah, loud. Yeah. I think it really flows beautifully yeah. for spoken modern day English, you know, yeah, type yeah. of thing. When you're studying, you know, if you're going right, I've got to do some work on the yeah, sermon yeah. or work on Thrive yeah, yeah. or work on some Sons of Chorus stuff, you know, type of thing. I've got to get right into the text. What do you use then? Uh, ESV mainly. Okay. Yeah, for study purposes. If I want to get closer to the text, yes. um, the English Standard Version, uh, I think, and, and is, I think a, it's become quite a popular translation for a more, s- scholarly. more scholarly approach yep. to the, to the text. Okay. And then often when I'm just, when I'm reading for myself, uh, I will stick to that middle group. Yes. Uh, you know, and mostly that most of the NIV. Okay. Me. Yeah. Okay. No worries. All right. Well, in, in light of all that, we've got a handful of questions to wrap up Ezekiel on this episode. And, uh, two of them come from Ezekiel 36. So yeah. right towards the end of the yeah, end yeah. of the end of the book. Uh, the first one, uh, first one is, uh, comes from around about, you know, verses 21, 22, where God says, uh, but I had concern for my holy name which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. And then in 22, he says, Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus, thus saith the Lord, this is, uh, I'm, getting, uh, I'm, getting, uh, I'm getting old King James here. Uh, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, yeah. which you have profaned among the nations of which you came. Yeah. And the question there is, Gee, that sounds like he doesn't care yeah. about Israel. It's not for your sake. It's I'm not, not for, your, for your sake. Yeah, I don't. Uh, it's not for you. Don't think it's for you. I'm doing it for me. You know. Yeah. Think, uh, what, now, what is yeah. the question? Is are we um, sort of putting human character under God? I mean, what is he meaning by this? Yeah, it, it's interesting because this is actually a verse that has really spoken to me. Actually, uh, you know, we've been sharing a bit about that. What you know, the parts of Ezekiel that have really impacted us, and and this would be a big one for me wow. uh, actually. And what, what God is saying there, when he says it's not for your sake, he's saying it's not, it's, you haven't warranted me doing this. Yeah. There, there's nothing in your lives yes. that warrants this kind of favor yeah. that I'm going to, sh- that I'm going to shower on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to come and rescue and shower this favor on you because, um, because you're just so great. Yeah. Yeah. Because actually, he's saying to them, because no, you haven't been great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, you've been you have been an yeah. absolute nightmare. You yeah, know, yeah. You've been an absolute drama the whole way. Um, and um, and he's saying, I'm going to do this for, for the sake of my holy name, which is not uh, God just wanting to pump his own tires up, and you know, it's it's not about this sort of gratuitous, uh, um, uh, you know, self uh, self-aggrandizement. Uh, yeah, you know. Because it's too easy for us to sort of put a human character. That's yeah, what I'm a human saying. Characteristic on God. Yeah, you know, we put like, ourselves in that place and go, "Gee, if I said that, I'd sound yeah, like yeah, a real yeah, narcissistic." You, would, yeah. you know, that's right. But God is the ultimate good. He is mm. the ultimate good, and and therefore, when He says, "But for the sake of My name," um, He's actually doesn't even say for My sake. He's saying for the sake of My name, mm, mm. and that's important because God. God's name is how God has revealed himself to mankind. Mm-hmm. So remember that we, we are to embody God's revelation to the world. Mm. Israel 
was to embody God's revelation of the world. Yeah. They yeah. existed for the world. Yes. You know, I'm, God said, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, so that you can be a blessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, uh, that's the point of that. I'm going to do this for the sake of my name, because yeah. for better or for worse, because we carry the name of God. Yes. Uh, we bear the name of God. Mm. We either profane the name of God, which is a big issue throughout Ezekiel, yeah. or we glorify the name of God. Mm. And um, God is saying here, I'm going to make, for the sake of my name, I'm going to bless you yeah. to express my grace, not because you not because you have warranted it, but because I want to show the world that I am a good and gracious God. Yeah. And that includes, actually, I want to show you as well. Yeah. That yeah. I, it's not excluding us. No. It's for the sake of my name, because so that we actually, because again, the other repeated statement, then you will know that I am the Lord. Yeah. And actually, that is ultimately for our sake in the other sense. Yes. Um, so I think that's, I think that's an important perspective. And we see that bad, we see that that's a common theme through, through yeah. scripture. And we might, and sometimes uh, this is one of the things that has come up again recently in a few discussions that I've had about Ezekiel. Oh, it's, isn't it interesting to read about this Old Testament God? You know, yeah. that phrase comes up. It's one of my least liked phrase in church. Like we have something like there's like. A, oh, it's terrible. Yeah. It's, it's a, as though there are two gods. Yeah, exactly. There's a New Testament God and an Old and Testament God. And I'm like, God. no, 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 no. The theme is still there. I said, remember that, you know, Acts and Paul and everybody, there's this concept of people doing stuff in God's name. Yeah. And God cutting them off or striking them down or, yeah. you know, and Paul you know, even stating in some of his letters, look, this person has been let go or this person has died because they were doing something, yeah. you know, a, a, yeah. you know, in God's name that was incorrect, you know, type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that, 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 like, I'm like, it's, it hasn't gone away. No, that's it's, right. Yeah. It's still there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that all of these concerns uh, carry across. And actually the grace, I mean, people say, oh, I'll sometimes... Uh, say inc- very incorrectly, oh, the Old Testament's all about law and the New Testament's all about grace. Yeah. I mean, have you read the Old Testament? It's just, it is this story of God persevering and blessing his people That's despite it. their continual rebelling. It is all about grace. And, uh, and I think that's really, really important. God's concern here is for his name. Yeah. It's for, and, and that matters because we bear the name of God. In fact, the commandment you shall not take the Lord's name in vain, actually isn't primarily about blasphemy. Mm. It's actually primarily about, if you break the Hebrew down, it's uh, you shall not bear the name of God mm. in a way that is profane. I- profane. Yeah. It's about profaning the name of God. Yeah. So, not, not so much what comes out of your mouth as far as... You know, hitting your hitting your you know your head yeah, with yeah, a hammer right. and saying yeah, yeah. a saying a swear word. Yeah, yeah. It's not about that. It's more, much more about the way that you live. Yeah, that's right. And 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 that's that's the charge actually throughout Ezekiel that's being brought to uh, to Israel is is that they had profaned the name of the Lord. Mm. So they have they had broken the commandment uh, to not uh, bear the Lord's name. Okay, let's move right along because we're running out of time here. Uh, the next the next question comes from Leah, Leah F. And thank you so much for your question, Leah. We love the fact that you're uh, you know you you faithfully reading the Thrive there and getting in touch with us and stuff. And it comes from Ezekiel 36 as well. So a little bit later on, just a few verses later on, in verses 30 and 31, uh, again God's still speaking. He says, "I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant, that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good." And you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. Now, Leah's question says, like she's read it and she's like, my goodness, uh, you know, Israel remembering their evil deeds and loathing themselves for it. My question is, does God want this for us? Should we loathe ourselves for our past sins? I always thought God wanted us to forget our past sins as he has forgiven us. Am I wrong about this? Or do these things change once Christ provides the ultimate atonement for our sins? That's a great question, question. Thank you for that one. Um, First of all, uh, it never says that God wants us to forget our past sins. Okay. It actually says that God will 
uh, cause them to be forgotten in, in the sense that God will, um, you know, wipe away the, the record, uh, as it were. Yeah. Um, now, what, what we're dealing with here, um, and let, to, but let me explain that because yeah. there still could be lots of misunderstanding in that. Um, what we're what we're dealing with here is is the fact that God had He is forgiving the guilt of their sins, and He forgives the guilt of our sins. So we don't no longer do we bear the guilt. So this mm. is um, what the question is is asking. That is the thing that we do not carry anymore. Mm. We've been forgiven now, um, but to um, attain forgiveness involves recognizing our wrong, feeling ashamed. Mm. Um, and actually, it's our shame that drives us to repentance and faith mm, mm. through which we receive forgiveness uh, from God. So it's not like automatic, whether you want it or not. Uh, actually, it's by repentance and faith. You know, as we turn to Christ, we, we are we, we receive forgiveness yes. uh, of sins. Now, next question is, does that then mean that we should no longer f- even think about Mm. our past mm. sins, uh, we certainly should not wallow in, you know, g- guilt. Mm-hmm. And this is an issue because a lot of people do. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, I just, I, they just cannot get get over the guilt yeah. of what they've done. Uh, Even, the would the word be shame? Well, this is a this is where, where I'd want to put a little uh, nuance on this because... Okay. There are things uh, in my past that I have received. I'm just going to use a personal example yeah, yeah. To, to, make, to illustrate this. There are things in my past that I feel uh, ashamed of, actually. Things that I've done that I feel ashamed of, yeah. actually. Still. And, and, but I don't feel guilt. I, 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 it's not, uh, I don't carry the guilt of that okay. anymore. Okay, okay. I've received God's forgiveness from that. And actually, when I think about that, what do I feel? I actually feel... Wow, God is so gracious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. So that's a great illustration. I think about, I think about those instances Mm. and straight away I think, Oh God, you're so gracious. Thank you for what, like, thanks. Mm. Thank you for Jesus. I mean, that, that's, that's what, which is a great way actually, uh, to think. But I, but my, my sense of being ashamed of that. Yeah. One, it highlights that sense of thankfulness for what God has done for me. Yeah. Taking the guilt of that away, yeah. But it also, it also keeps me holding on to the lesson of the past. Mm. You know, it's it's my, um, it's my remembrance of that mm. event and what I did wrong, and the the regret that I feel at having done that. Mm. Really, you know, the right kind. There's, I suppose, there's the wrong kind of shame. Let's say the wrong kind of shame is carrying the guilt that weighs you down. Yeah. But the right kind of shame is just a, a sense of regret for having done that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that that isn't something that weighs you down, but something that gives you wisdom for the future. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I know, I know. And it's, it's so hard. I think this is where the English language lets us down because yeah. shame is such a... Uh, a fierce dragon of yeah. a word, you know what yeah. I mean? And soon if you start talking about it, it triggers so many yeah. emotional responses. Yeah. Um, I, I know. And, and it's where when we read, you know, you, you will loathe yourselves and it's, it's, it, it seems because clearly he is saying you're going to look back and this is after being forgiven and everything. You're going to look back yeah. and, and you're going to loathe yourselves and feel ashamed at, at what you did. Yeah. And this is after you have received my goodness. And, you know, so, um, the, the idea there is, is that, um, we look back and I think, I think we can, uh, we can look back and say to ourselves, I'm so glad that I'm not that person anymore because I've, you know, by God's grace, I've been led through that. I've been, and it, it's a way of, um, uh, recognizing there's, there, that there is a, there is something that we want to move beyond. Yeah. I don't want to be that person any. That you know, I, and actually in the gospel in Jesus Christ we have the opportunity to become a new person. Yeah, yeah. This is them loathing the old person. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. which Paul says, put to death. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, the, the 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 old you has been put to death in Christ. So this is them loathing that old person, not loathing themselves as they should be, and as yeah. even as they are. In God's sight, but loathing 
the old self that they have that they have and should put to death. Okay. A couple of questions to round off this episode, and this follows on perfectly from where you're at. Um, do you think in light of this passage that sometimes we are too quick today in modern day, you know, evangelical churches yeah. Yeah. to run past that loathing, yeah. to run past the sense of, to use that powerful word to lo- to run run past that sense of shame and jump straight into the let's dwell on the now that we are forgiven yeah. and concentrate on that. Should you know what is this? Where yeah. is the place in the church today where we can look back, even if it's just for a moment, and feel that sense of thank God for saving me from where I where yeah, I was? Yeah. That's a really good. It's a really good point because I think we do live. Uh, we we do rush past that point, mm. and we do we do tend to idealise this. So, so often, um, we, we just say, "Oh no no no, don't don't feel ashamed yeah. for, for what you because you're forgiven." Yeah. No no, actually, w- when we do the wrong thing, it's it's shame is is an important thing. Okay, mm. Mm. now we we need not be burdened by shame in the guilt sense. Yeah. Uh, Moving on into the future, but mm. we need to be able to, we need to feel our guilt. Yeah. And we need to feel ashamed. And even beyond being forgiven, there is an aspect of shame that we can and should uh, carry into the future that, that prevents us from repeating the same thing again. Mm. It's, um, it's that ongoing sense. Of, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I truly regret having done that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, th- that is, um, that is just a really important attribute to of as I become a new person, I look back and I think I regret the person, I regret um, the way that I was and the way that I acted back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, I think we can be so um, uh, we can be so focused on no, just feel the joy and the forgiveness and the, all the, all the good stuff. That we we do well. How? What is it that magnifies the joy of being forgiven? It's my deep sense of recognition of how bad that was. Mm, mm. A really great illustration for that, and it's been it's come to mind a few times as I've read through Ezekiel this time. Is the letter of you know that amazing relationship we get to see in all of its ups and downs of the Apostle Paul with the Church of Corinth. Yeah. And in that second letter of Corinthians, and yeah. I think there's a passage in there that has just spoken so much to me. In in chapter 7, Paul talks about, you know, how he killed them with the first letter. You know, and yeah. they were yeah. just devastated yeah. Yeah. in the first letter. And then he goes on and he says, I didn't want you to feel shame for the sake of shame. I wanted you to feel godly grief yeah, that drives you, yeah, drives yeah. you to repentance yeah. and drives you to God. Yeah. And he's like, praise God that you have done yeah. that and that my letter brought that on. Yeah. And I think that's such a, in the, in the talking about shame and talking about loathing ourselves, I really hope and pray that people, when they see those passages, can put the whole Bible picture together and see that God wants us to, when they do come to mind, like you say, yeah. the point is not to stay there, but to let it drive us on. That's right. Because, you know, because God knows who we are and he wants to lead us on to become who we really are and who he created us to be. Mm-hmm. So um, th- there, there is no need for us to feel uh, the sort of self-loathing that just I hate myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Th- that that's not what we're talking uh, about yeah. here because yeah. actually God loves you. He knows who you are and he's going to bring, he wants to bring out the best in you. Yeah. But um, what drives us forwards actually is, is not wanting to be that kind of person yeah. and not wanting to be the sort of person that does and thinks this way. Um, and, and actually it's, it's those more negative feelings. It's it's that sense of shame, that sense of regret, actually, that can drive us uh, into the future. Mm. And as I said, magnify the sense of gratitude to God um, mm. uh, for what He has done and and the grace. And and this is where I referenced um, how this has had a big impact on me. Actually, as I look back, uh, you know, I, I recognize. I find myself amazed that God has used me in the ways that he has. As I look back to mm-hmm. all of the mixed motives and all of the, all of the stuff, you know, um, and I think, oh God, like, 
you know, because the, the more conscious, the more I grow, the more I realize how inadequate, how, how inadequate yeah. I, I, I was before. And by the grace of God, I get to where I am. Mm. But I look back and I think, oh God, you, <laughs> that you would, you, you still used me and you still blessed me back then. And, 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 and that's where that God saying it's, it's, it, it was for the sake of my name. Mm. Mm. I, I was I was using you for yeah. the sake of my name, so that other people would know me, and so that you would know me. Yeah. And ah, oh, that has just yeah. uh, that has blown me away. And it actually comes from feeling that sense of shame for how I was yes. back then. It's a full picture. It magnifies the grace of God totally, and and that then motivates me mm. to step more and more into God's grace in the future. Yeah, I love it. I love it. One last point to close off this, uh, what we're talking about, Ezekiel, and that is, um, and we've we've concentrated on chapter 36 and we've hovered around before and after one of the most, uh, I think, one of the most crucial parts of the the book, and that is in 36, you know, uh, starting in 26, uh, you know, of Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, we get that amazing... Amazing passage where God says, I'll give you a new heart, mm. you know, and I'll give you a new spirit. I will put within you. I'll remove the heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit within you yeah. and cause you to walk in my statutes, you know, and you'll be careful to obey my rules. And this, this massive change, something totally radical yeah. is being called out here. And a few questions have come in around mm. this, around this yeah. passage, which is, is God in this, is Ezekiel prophesying something that, A, was going to happen in their lifetime, mm. or B, was he looking so far in the future, this is the ultimate fulfillment of man, or is he talking about us as the church in the day of Pentecost where we have the Holy Spirit, you know, yeah. within us, where Jesus promised? Yeah. Is it all of it, none of it? What is it? It is. Uh, we can be pretty specific about this. It, it is. Th- this prophecy is very much fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Mm. Um, uh, Jesus uh, speaks about, you know, I, uh, I mean, actually even John the Baptist said, I baptise you with water, but one is coming who will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Mm. Uh, and then Jesus on the, on, uh, in the beginning of Acts says, um, uh, for John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, uh, he says. You know, so he's, and then of course the day of Pentecost, and they receive, you know, the breath. There was mm. the, the the wind, the blowing of a violent wind. I mm. mean, we think of Ezekiel chapter thirty-seven, yeah. Yeah. and the breath. Remember, breath and spirit are the same word in Hebrew, mm. uh, ruach, breath and spirit. Mm. And so, um, uh, you know, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, tongues of fire, uh, and and so this is this is the beginning of of a of a sort of a new kind of thing. I mean, Joel says. Um, in Joel chapter um, 2, he says, And afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Mm. He's affirming what Ezekiel says. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. The point there is that what was previously um, given to special specific people to empower them for ministry, namely priests, kings, and prophets. Jewish men. Yeah, Jewish men, <laughs> right, is now going to be given to all, you know, yeah. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, he yeah. says, on all yeah. people, yeah. Uh, both men and women in those days, right? Yeah. So this is um, this is to empower them uh, uh, to to be the people that, that they, they need to be. So this is, so they speak about the promised Holy Spirit, um, uh, so you have in um, Ephesians 1, um, uh, says this, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Mm. So um, basically, you know, we, we don't go, when, when we uh, come to faith, uh, come into a relationship with God. We don't go through the stage of going, becoming sort of a Jewish kind of faith first and then coming into, you know, like we go through the old covenant and then the yeah. new covenant. Yeah. I mean, the new covenant is, this is the new covenant. The mm. new covenant is this, this unique form of relationship where we are empowered and indwelt by the Holy Spirit, given mm. a new heart and that Ezekiel talks about. And as Paul says here, when we believe, that is when we entrust our lives to Jesus Christ, it says we're marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. 
Uh, and um, this is uh, this is important because um, we need to recognize that this is this is something that we ha- we have God dwelling within our hearts. Mm. Now, our exp- how this un- how this experience unfolds mm. Mm. can be different for each people, yeah. and I think at times it has been treated uh, a little bit like an experience or a force or some. No, this is a relationship with a person, with the Holy Spirit. Mm. So it unfolds. Uh, you know, there's been lots of debate. Is, is there? Is this? You know, does this happen at our conversion, or is, is this a separate experience to conversion? Yeah. Um, it certainly is. When we come to Christ, as it says here, having believed, you are marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. You can't Thank be. You. It's, yeah. it's. You know, that that can't be clearer uh, than that. Um, and in fact, in um, Romans, uh, Paul says, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, which is the same, he does not belong to Christ. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's the, this is, we talk about inviting Jesus into our hearts. Well, how does Jesus come into our hearts? It's oh, by Holy the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, but ha- how this unfolds, I think, can be different for each person. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes it does unfold in, in really, Significant, where sometimes people can have sort of delayed, uh, delayed experience of this, mm. um, which I think is what accounts, for, you know, which is why a lot of people in the past have maybe argued that it's a separate yes. sort of thing. Yeah. Well, no, it's it it unfolds. The, the classic illustration that I use is, you know, I use a big bit of Bible software um, that I download from the internet, mm. uh, and um, you know, it's it's like seven gig or something. Yeah. Now. Um, as I log on my different devices, you know, it's like, uh, it's my, it's, it's mine. Yeah. But as I log on my different devices, the, it downloads, uh, onto my computer and that can be a long process. Life in Christ is one big long download. <laughs> it really is. It's one big long that's, download. That's one way to say you know, it. With, with different, I mean, it's, that, that's an, in many ways an inadequate metaphor, yeah. but for the yeah. sake of, uh, well, recognizing a, that it, it unfolds. Yeah. The way, the way that I've already, I've always seen it and even experienced it, you know, in yeah. my life and my friends' lives is that uh, that concept between like a, a legal positional, you know, ruling yeah. and, you know, the acknowledgement or the practical outpouring yeah. of it type of thing. Yeah. And, and like, you know, so when it comes to, you know, the absolute uh, objective reality yeah. when someone enters in and is saved or yeah. becomes one of Christ or goes through that process, you know, you know, God makes a ruling. They are, they are done. They yeah, have given yeah. the Holy spirit and, and they yeah. are, yeah. you know, they are saved. Yeah. It might take a while for that person to go, Oh, I get it. And, and start walking in that or experiencing experiencing the fullness of it, yeah, yeah that's exactly. Right. Yeah. Or even sometimes experiencing the fullness of it, like we have that great example uh, in the Book of Acts, where the group of believers go, "We haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, we've yeah. heard about this Jesus <laughs> guy, but what's this Holy Spirit business yeah. about?" And he goes on to explain. Now, I know that was a different time. In and that, that actually is, is important because it's, it is a transitional time, yes, actually, between yeah. our old. But that's a great yeah. illustration of what we see today. Because okay, let's let's play real dorky you know, putting things on a pinboard, you know, type of yeah. thing. If one of those group of people who had heard about Jesus before they'd heard about the Holy Spirit, if they passed away, they got hit by a donkey or a Roman yeah. soldier brigade, where would they go? Would they go to hell yeah. because they didn't have the Holy Spirit? No, God would have taken them home That's to heaven right. yeah. because they were saved. Yeah. They just didn't know that they were sealed in the Holy they, Spirit. They just hadn't experienced the fullness of it. And exactly. Actually, you know, it's throughout our lives we 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 grow more and more into the fullness and experience more and more Amen. of the fullness of what God wants to give us. So, um, you know, th- there is the exhortation throughout in in um, in the New Testament to be filled with the Spirit. You know, th- that that's an ongoing thing. Yeah. Um, we are we are baptized in the Holy Spirit when we invite Jesus into our hearts. Yeah. Uh, that's in fact what real water baptism stands for. Yeah, that moment, exactly. Right, exactly. Uh, it's, and um, and then, but how how that unfolds is it's an ongoing process. Yeah. and and we should and it's be different. continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's not the same experience for every believer. No. God deals with this individually. Yeah, and and oftentimes I think sometimes we might get a little bit confused about what filling what the filling is or what fill, being filled with the spirit is. But I think a really good 
thought to dwell on and and a, and a way to think about this, even when we're reading through Ezekiel, is how much we have to empty ourselves yeah. to experience yeah. the filling of the yeah, Spirit. Sometimes right. we think, we need more of the Spirit. And it's yeah. like, no, God's actually saying, no, I just need less of you. Less <laughs> of you right. in the yeah. picture here, man. Like, yeah, just, that's a great pull, one, yeah. You know, pull, pull yourself out a little bit yeah. so I can I can actually yeah. take hold. Yeah, that's right. That's a great you know? way to put it. Yeah. And, uh, I, yeah, that's been helpful for me. So I, I, I would, you know, I would encourage our listeners to, to just continue to ex- explore and move forward and grow and uh, and the more, I think it's a wonderful picture, the more we empty ourselves yeah. out before God and surrender ourselves, the more He consumes that offering and the more, uh, the more we experience the fullness uh, of Him living within us. Well, there it is, episode six in the can, we have finished off the book of Ezekiel. Well, at least for now, uh, at this run through, we'll see if we get to it again in the future. But what a wonderful place to finish the book. Uh, that idea that God wants us to empty ourselves to allow more of him in our lives. Uh, and we're going to see a lot more of that as we head into the book of Daniel. I cannot wait to share with you next week, we kick into the book of Daniel and see this amazing godly man's life uh, as we enter that into episode seven next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for downloading. Please do us a massive favor. Let your friends know about this podcast. If you're enjoying it, please share it on your social medias or just tell a friend that would do a lot for us. Until next week, this has been DJ Payne for thrivetoday.net.au. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Thrive Deeper. If you have questions you would like answered, contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thrive deeper or at the Thrive Today website, where you can also subscribe to the Thrive Daily Bible Reading Guide. That's at thrivetoday.net.au. Until next time, thrive.